Greetings, everyone, and welcome to issue number 14 of Sake Industry News. COVID-19 continues to rage through the world, wreaking all kinds of havoc everywhere, but we hope that our readers are safe and healthy wherever you might be. This, too, shall pass. April is traditionally, or historically, the time when many sake breweries wrap up their brewing season for the year. Subsequent to that, there's all kinds of tastings out in the market uh, for us to go out and sample and see the newest season's brew. However, things are quite calm this year, understandably. Every single tasting in sight, every single tasting that I know of, has been canceled or postponed. Of course, the sake industry isn't the only industry to which this is happening, so for now, we just have to hang in there. Read up, drink up, and keep smiling. We have a handful of interesting stories for you this week, and the first one is another region in Japan has been granted GI status, and that region is the Harima region of Hyogo Prefecture. It's the second region in Hyogo Prefecture to be granted GI status, the first having been the venerable Nada region. GI stands for geographical indication, and it's something that's uh, recognized by the World Trade Organization, but administered to by the local government. So this was granted by the Ministry of Taxation in Japan. The Harima region is in the mountains, just a little bit west of Kobe, and therefore Nada, and is actually the home of Yamada Nishiki. In other words, Yamada Nishiki is actually grown in most prefectures across Japan, but without a doubt, the absolute best comes from the Harima region in Hyogo. It is the Harima region where this stellar rice was first developed back in 1936. There's a handful of rules that a sake that wants to put in Harima, GI Harima on the label must conform to. And, of course, one of those rules is that it must be made using Hyogo-grown Yamata Nishiki rice. Surprisingly, not all the geographical indications require that the rice be grown locally, which is kind of curious. But for Harima, it must be Yamada Nishiki grown in Hyogo Prefecture. Currently, there are 28 breweries in the Harima region, and those 28 breweries are eligible to put the GI sticker on their bottle, assuming they conform to the rules that apply. To me, up there with Nada, Harima is very deserving of the GI, of the geographical indication. Certainly, to a certain degree, all of the regions that have obtained it were, of course, deserving of the designation. But to me, Harima and Nada are extremely seminal to the history and development of the sake industry in Japan and are extremely deserving of this particular indication. The GI system is still quite new in Japan. There's only a couple of places that qualify for it, and it's going to grow from here. Uh, How it will develop and how it will be used remains to be seen, but I plan to support it as much as possible. Next, story number two. Ichinokura is a somewhat large brewery up in Miyagi Prefecture. And listeners may recall that Miyagi was one of the Tohoku prefectures that was affected very seriously by the earthquake and tsunami back in 2011. At the end of 2011, about eight months after the actual earthquake and tsunami came, Ichinokura started a fund called the 311 Batan Pass to the Future, Save the Children Through Sake Project. For this project, they brew a particular sake that uses a local Miyagi rice called Kuronohana, and they grow it without using any pesticides or chemical fertilizers, and they brew a Tokubetsu Junmai sake, the proceeds of which 
go to help local children with schooling and social obstacles that have arisen since the tragedy. To date, Ichinokura has donated 53 million yen, which is about 500,000 U.S. dollars, through the sales of this sake and deposited it into a fund that they call the Hatachi Fund. The product this year was released on February 19th, so there's probably very little of it left, but if you, buy, come, if you come across a bottle, be sure to check it out. Our third story is about Hiroshima Prefecture and an independent winemakers guild of the Bourgogne region of France. The two organizations got together and signed an agreement that includes information exchange in regards to branding, production techniques, and things like that to expand distribution. Representatives from both sides had positive things to say, with the French representative saying that her impressions of Hiroshima sake so far were quite good, being balanced in delightful aromas, and Hiroshima side having said they would like to learn from Burgundy's success in creating a global brand recognition. Hiroshima has historically, and is today, a very major sake-producing region. They have been as high as number five on the production list, uh, although they've probably dropped to about number six or seven currently. It certainly looks like both Burgundy and Hiroshima can benefit from this relationship. Our fourth story is about abandoned rice fields in Nagano being put to good use, which is for growing sake rice. Personally, I can think of no better use for abandoned rice fields. As Japan's farming population graze, and as Japanese people eat less and less rice, there are rice fields all over Japan that are just going unused. Sometimes there's politics behind this, which are, which are beyond the scope of this newsletter. But often, there's just nobody to grow anything on those fields. But 13 farmers in the Tozawa region of Sanda City in Nagano Prefecture decided to take things into their own hands, no pun intended, and grow some sake rice there. The project was actually launched in February of 2018, but it takes time to start to grow sake rice and to get enough out of the land to actually brew some sake with it. This year, they grew about 2,000 hectares of sake rice and were able to produce a full tank of sake. The sake is actually going to be brewed by a company called Okazaki Shuzo, making a sake called Kide. Kide was a very, very small brewery until a couple of years ago when they just rose to the top unexpectedly, winning top honors in their region of the country in a national government-sponsored tasting competition. As such, from then, they've grown somewhat, but they're still a very small brewery. Our next story, our fifth story for this issue, is about a brewery developing yet a new sake rice in the Kyoto region. The new sake rice is called Kyo no Koi, or Love of Kyoto, and it's being used by a brewery called Haneda Shuzo, who will brew a sake with it this year. Haneda Shuzo's brand name is Hatsuhinode, and they will be making a Junmai Daiginjo Muroka Namagenshu. So there will certainly be some power behind that sake. It will be released about April 18th. As we have mentioned other times during the course of SIN, new sake rices are developed all the time. However, very few will stand the test of time. Few will be around in 10 years or 20 years. But it's still very important that the industry try to develop new rices, in particular local rices. As wonderful as Yamada Nishi can be, it really doesn't help local economies if they've got to bring it in from half a country away. So everybody's trying to find something that's as close to as good as Yamada as it can get, or at least as easy to work with, but also something that they can grow locally and that can be easily reproducible. Let's hope that Kyo no Koi works out to be one of those. Our next headline 
the brewery making the sake, Hana Izumi, in Fukushima Prefecture, is celebrating their 100th anniversary in wonderful style. Hana Izumi is nestled deep in the mountains of the Aizu region of Fukushima Prefecture, and they're unique for a number of reasons. One of them is that they make all of their sake with something called Yodan Shikomi. Depending on what region in Japan you are, some say Yondan, some say Yodan. Regardless, it refers to a fourth edition when most sake is made using three editions of rice, water, and koji. Uh, Yodan is actually a fourth edition. Almost always this fourth edition is koji only, as opposed to being koji and steamed rice. The main objective of a yodan is basically to add sweetness. When you make a sake and if you ferment it to the bitter end, you'll get a lot of alcohol, but there's very little left for flavor or sweetness. So one tool in the brewer's bag of tricks is to, just as the yeast starts to peter out when it doesn't have such a strong power to ferment anymore, they add a bit of koji in there. And the enzymes in the koji will convert the starch into sugar, but the yeast will not have the wherewithal to convert that sugar into carbon dioxide and alcohol. As such, it sticks around as sweetness, and certainly the amino acid content can contribute to umami as well. While this method is unheard of, uh, there are very few breweries, if any, that make all of their sake using the Yodan Shikomi method like Hana Izumi does. Furthermore, the rice that they use is not normal sake rice, nor normal eating rice. It's something called mochimai. Mochimai is typically big, soft rice that dissolves fairly readily and fairly easily, which makes it particularly suited to something like the Yodan step. Congratulations to Hana Izumi Shuzo, and may their sogyo Hyakushunen Kinen Jozoshu, or their 100th anniversary commemorative sake, turned out as wonderful as they expected to. And now from the Industry Stirrings Department of Sake Industry News, the Ministry of Taxation, who's in control of all the sake breweries in the country, has actually stepped up to the plate to support sake breweries and the alcoholic beverage industry by allowing restaurants to actually sell retail. This will include all alcoholic beverages and not just sake, but it does include sake. Based on things that I read in various social media, a lot of brewers expected this to happen, but just a few days ago they made it official. In order to do this, they must apply for a special license, and they have to apply for it by the end of June, and furthermore, the license will only be good for six months after uh, it has been granted. Nevertheless, it's great news for just about everybody. Consumers, restaurateurs, distributors, and sake producers as well. We do have a couple more industry short stories that you can access by reading the email version of Sake Industry News. And for our last story in this audio version of Sake Industry News, I want to talk about a new, somewhat new, method of milling the rice uh, that has been developed by the rice milling machine producer Satake. Readers and listeners are certainly aware that the objectives of milling the rice before brewing sake are to remove fat and protein from the outer layers of the rice grains and leave pretty much mostly starch behind. This leads to a cleaner fermentation, a more elegant and a more refined sake. It's certainly not the only way to make sake, but with ginjo being as popular as it is today, rice milling is a huge topic. Looking back at history a bit, long ago, rice was milled using grinding stones that were driven by water wheels. Back in the late 1800s, a company in Hiroshima, Satake, invented the first automatic rice milling machine. 
The company then grew steadily over the decades to become the largest and most solid producer of rice milling machines in Japan. They pretty much own the industry. Most of those machines are, of course, used for milling for eating rice, for table rice, but they do make rice milling machines for sake rice as well. In fact, it was Satake that further developed rice milling machines to make uh, specialist rice milling machines for sake rice only. However, competition sprouted, and there have been, over the years, other companies that make machines used for milling sake rice as well. Most of them fell by the wayside, and while Satake is certainly still the largest rice milling machine company in Japan, another company called Shin Nakano also makes wonderful machines for milling sake rice. While Shin Nakano is a much smaller company than Satake, they've actually carved out a wonderful niche for themselves and very commonly are the machine of choice for smaller sake breweries. Not exclusively, but in truth, I seem to see more Shin Nakano machines being used at craft sake breweries around the country than I do Satake. But in truth, I don't really have any hard numbers to back that up. It just might be what I observe. So setting the history of the rice milling machine industry aside for just a moment, uh, when rice is milled for anything, but in particular for sake, you take something that's originally shaped like a rugby ball, a grain of rice, and the way it gets milled is it ends up quite round like a baseball. Uh, so you've got an oblong piece of rice and there's actually the shimpaku, the starch center within that, that's also oblong. It kind of shares the same shape as the outer grain. However, when you mill it, just the way it goes through the milling machine, you end up milling it evenly all around so that it comes out round. Uh, typically, sake rice will have more fat around the midsection and less fat at the two ends. So if you mill it from its oblong rugby ball shape to a completely round shape, you end up taking as much fat from the tips where there is little fat and less from the midsection area where there's actually a lot more fat to be milled off. No one really thought that much could be done about this, but then about 25 or 30 years ago, a government sake taster, that's a great job if you can get it, uh, came up with the idea of tweaking and jury-rigging milling machines so that when the rice came down and hit the grinding stone, it would actually hit it, maintaining its orientation in the air. What this would allow to happen is it would allow more fat to be milled off the sides and less off the tips therefore resulting in something with less milling, you can remove a higher ratio of fat. Uh, and it works. However, it's a pain in the butt. Uh, brewers have to do it more slowly. They have to be more careful. It calls for a bit of skill. And as such, very few brewers actually do this kind of milling. This milling is called henpei semai, or flat milling. There's a brewery in Fukushima called Daishichi that has a wonderful English language site, and they explain their version of henpei semai, or flat milling, which they call cho hempe semai, or super flat milling. More importantly, you can see diagrams and read in English a lot about the process at Daishichi's website. So as good as hempe semai, or flat milling is, it's kind of a hassle, so very few brewers actually do it. Enter satake, or re-enter satake. While I wouldn't say that Satake has been sitting on their laurels, I would say that we haven't really seen too much from them in terms of development of new fang-dangled milling machines. But they recently developed one that will do regular milling, but it will also do flat milling or henpei semai. Remember, the difference is that with less milling, you remove more fat when you do it the henpei way. 
Uh, and this new machine calls for no jury rigging, no tweaking, just a couple flicks of the switch, and you'll end up with flat milled or hempese my rice. And you can mill to the same percentage and end up removing more fat and protein from the rice in doing so. However, not content to stop there, Satake also developed their own version of hempei semai. They refer to it as genkei semai, and the point is that it maintains a bit more of the original shape of the rice after milling. In other words, super flat milling kind of ends up with the rice somewhat flat. A regular milling ends up with the rice being round. But genkei semai ends up with the rice having the same shape and same dimensions as the rice did before they started to mill. In truth, practically speaking, rice that's been milled using the new Genke Semai method is somewhere between the original milling method, which makes rice very round, and the Hempe Semai method, which makes it somewhat flat. It's kind of a crossover between the two of them. Please see the email version of Sake Industry News for a diagram that shows you the three rice milling methods. So in order to market this, Satake reached out to a handful of breweries in the Hiroshima area and took the same rice and milled some of it using the Hempei Seimai method and some of it using their new Genkei Seimai method. And they asked the brewers to brew those sakes using those various rice milling methods and report back to them with the results. One such brewery was Imada Shuzo, where the president and toji, Miho Imada, did just that. She brewed a Junmai Ginjo using rice milled in the new Genke method, as well as rice milled in the Hempe Semai method. And she compared them when she was done. I was fortunate enough to receive a bottle of each and able to compare them. In both Miho Imada's words and in my own mind, they were very, very similar. The differences were somewhat subtle. Not surprisingly, the Genke method, which probably has a little bit more fat left over in the rice and a little bit more protein left over in the rice, ended up to be just somewhat fuller, just a little bit fuller. The, the Hempe method seemed to be somewhat lighter in comparison. Furthermore, to me, the Hempe method seemed to be a bit more aromatic, but in truth, the sake was very young and it was also namazake. So, and I only had one bottle of each, so it's kind of hard to make an assessment based on that. The toji at... Imada Shuzo, Miho Imada herself, actually avoided saying that one was unequivocally better than the other. She said it kind of depends on what kind of sake you want to make. While she may have been being diplomatic, certainly that will probably prove to be true. I have not had a chance to taste the sake brewed in this way by other breweries, but if you're interested and went to Fukucho's website, Fukucho is the brand name of Imata Shuzo. As long as supplies last, you can buy a set of the two sake and compare them yourselves. Uh, for sure, it's only going to be available in Japan at this point in time. To me, what's most significant about all this is not whether this new milling method is better than any other or whether it isn't, but rather that developments are taking place on even the rice milling front. Uh, and on top of that, the industry giant Satake is stepping back in, becoming much more visible in the sake brewing world. That can only be good for sake brewing in the long run. That's it for Sake Industry News, issue number 14. Because of the circumstances of COVID-19 and many people needing reading material, we are distributing this issue of Sake Industry News for free. 
So by all means, please spread the good news about Sake Industry News and let all your friends know that they can access this issue for free. It seems like the current situation in the world will continue for a little while. So everyone, please take care, stay healthy, and stay safe. We hope you enjoyed this issue of Saki Industry News. By all means, please consider subscribing and hope to talk to you next time.